So next week we close this off <clears throat> and uh, I was hoping that we could get further into it. There's a method to my madness. So we're just gonna uh, gloss this because it's almost time for you to go. Um, Lord, today, here we are again and uh, these are your sons, these are your daughters and you love them so much. There isn't anything you haven't done or won't do and there's nothing you hold back. That's how often we get in your way and block you and stop you and don't believe. We believe, but help us with our unbelief, Lord. And so bless these dear men and women. Bless every family member in their families. Let prosperity come to them. Let their eyes be open, their ears open, their hearts like never before in the coming days. So Lord, speak. And let your love and your presence be known in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, verse one, chapter two, book of Ruth. Um, there was a uh, relative next of kin of Naomi's husband. Now remember last week, uh, her husband was Elimelech. He died. They left Bethlehem because of famine in Judah. They went to this country, Moab, which they were not Jews. And Moab, as I mentioned, was the son of one of Lot's daughters. And when Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed and they left, <clears throat> um, they did what everybody does when, when we get hurt or wounded. We withdraw a little bit. Uh, we want to run away. We don't want to ever feel that yucky feeling again. And they said to each other, they're reasoning, but there's a way that seems right to a man, but it ends up with death. So... We want the Lord leading and not our feelings and emotions. And uh, they said, you know what? They just saw fire and brimstone, something like a nuclear devastation. To this very day, in that part of Israel, there is nothing growing. Whatever came from outer space and clobbered Sodom and Gomorrah was as bad as, if not worse than, a nuclear fusion situation taking place in the desert of Nevada. So um, they said, you know what? There's not gonna be, our mom's dead. We saw both cities destroyed. The wrath of God has come. You get dad drunk and sleep with him at night. I'll get him drunk, sleep with him, which was sick. Now, how did they learn that? They were good kids. When the men came of the city, they came and said, give us those men that we may know them. And if you look at the real text of it, is that we may know them carnally. Uh, and I've debated with homosexuals who claim to be Christian and have their own little churches that say that isn't why God destroyed it because of homosexuality. And, and they, their scholars use a word about hospitality. And there is a word that a root could spring off somewhere about lack of hospitality. That... Uh, they weren't being hospitable to these strange men coming, but that's a lie. They were invited into Lot's house. So I've debated them over that, and I find out they aren't scholars, so they don't really know. They're only repeating so they feel good that they wouldn't go to hell. And I understand that. And I'll, I'll love them all the way to death and try to help them. But um, it was a horrible scene. And if you've ever been in a critical incident, I... I know you had a horrible accident and you're miraculously alive. I like those kind of stories when the Lord steps in. 
You know, you just finished uh, the, the book of Mark. It's my favorite book. I just finished six months uh, teaching at another Calvary on Sunday nights. In fact, uh, I left that so I could be here for a few weeks. Uh, and it's my favorite book because it's all stories. Jesus told stories like crazy. And even when the book is written, it's stories about Jesus and what else? People. Not theology. It's all about him. Every kind of person that you and I know or could have been or are out there are found in the book of Mark. Rich, poor, arrogant, you know, on and on and on. Widows, grieving hearts, uh, discipleship. That's why I love it. I love to see how he interacts in every situation. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So um, in that book, you begin to learn a lot of things about how he loves people and how wise he is and how he listens to everybody and gives an answer. He's not afraid. He's not going to run from anything. He went to the cross. So Ruth is, is only, as I mentioned last Sunday, four chapters. It's 85 verses. But there's several layers in there of Jewish culture. And uh, the big part is next Sunday when we just put it all together, but then we zero in on what this means. What does all this mean? We know there's a rich guy. He's fallen in love. We know that there was a man, very respected business guy that leaves because of the famine. He dies. His wife is a widow. Their two sons marry two foreign women, which they shouldn't have done as Jewish boys. And then they die. Now he got three widows living together with no income. I mean, the pressures. I can just look at you and I can tell you there's been a lot of pressures around your lives. And that's what shapes us and makes us. Um, and a lot of people run. Uh, a hireling runs when the wolf comes. But the anointed shepherd, like David, will go take the clubby ass and grab the lion by the hair of the chinny-chin-chin and knock him out. Or go up against the bear, he said, had one of my dad's lambs in his mouth, and I, I beat him. So there was nothing for him to run after Goliath. He was being trained out of sight. And uh, isn't it interesting when Samuel was told by God, the king is over in Jesse's house in Bethlehem. And he goes over there, and there's seven guys, seven sons. And they're all handsome. I call them GQ type. They're tall. Sam walks in, and he looks at him. He says, ah, oh, the first guy there, he is really a good-looking guy. He's probably the guy. And as he goes to anoint him, God says, no, that's not the guy. He went through all seven sons, and God said, no, that's not the guy. He said, I don't look at the outward of a person like God, like man does. I look at the heart. So Samuel is a very submitted servant. He says, yes, sir. Uh, Jesse, do you happen to have any other sons? That's a pretty big family. I met a couple of families uh, just in the last service. They came from 12 brothers and sisters, and one last night had 10 brothers and sisters, and uh, it, it was kind of interesting. So there's an eighth, ah, uh, yeah. He's out tending the sheep. He's like the runt of the family, you know, the little guy. And uh, he goes out there, and God says, this is the one. I always question, why are those seven good-looking, tall men in the house on a work day? Are they watching Oprah or something? You know, what are they? <laughs> Meacham Car Auction or Barrett-Jackson? or What are they doing in the house? They should be out as men. But the boy was out there, and that's who, who God chose. I've always felt, because I've been in that uh, Valley of Elah where the Philistines were on one side and Israelis were on the other. And uh, 
It's full of rocks, riverbed. So David had to run through these rocks. And more than likely, I, I bet he is twisting his ankle. I don't think he could be stable. And he's just a teenager. He's not fully developed. He's definitely fearless. He reaches into his pouch and he gets five smooth stones. That's because we are told that maybe there are four brothers that Goliath had and he'd go after them next. But here, imagine him running, this teenager, not fully muscle, not a big enough, you know, bicep or tricep or the shoulder muscles or the lap muscles to really get that thing going. Uh, and maybe not that strong and accurate, but shepherds were accurate. So I've always seen these run along. He says, yeah, well, I'm going to chop your head off and uh, give it to the birds. What are they doing, you Jews, sending me a, a little puppy dog? And so he didn't look like much. Probably the size of Barney Fife, maybe, huh? I don't know. God would get the glory of that if it were. But anyhow, he lets the rock go. Have you ever thought of this? Potentially, it wasn't going to make it. He didn't have the strength. And you can see silently God's hand over, over, over. And he's almost 10 feet tall. Up, 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 up. And the rock wasn't going. It was going seven feet. And the Lord got it there. How hard would a rock have to hit you in the forehead to penetrate your frontal lobe and kill you, plus break the skull? That had to be God's hand. Bam! If I can just get a boy with a couple fish and loaves, and I can just get a boy that's willing to go against a giant, there isn't anything God cannot do with you and me. He's not finished. But change is good for you. And you need to be able to see differently think differently, expand what you know about God, but let him open up more to you. Let his Holy Ghost show you what you don't know because nobody knows everything. When you're in trials and tribulations, that's the time to just say, Lord, help, help, help. You got thousands of people praying for you. They don't even know you. They're praying for you. These are seasoned warriors. And you're going to start seeing things change. And, and you'll say, what was that all about? People are praying for you. You're going to begin thinking, oh, you're going to get fresh ideas. Thousands of people are praying for you. Now, tomorrow, I do a Monday show, talk show from Chicago every, every week. And uh, then it is broadcast from the tallest tower in Chicago. But it also is then transferred uh, to 25 cities throughout the Midwest. And people call in, they ask questions. And uh, tomorrow I'm going to ask the audience if they would begin praying for you. And then 33 million people watch our show every month, uh, World News Briefing, the prophecy show that Chuck Smith started. And I was asked uh, when he went to heaven if I would want to sit in his chair. Great honor. It's a lot of people, 190 different countries. All sorts of people learning that Jesus is coming back soon. And they haven't been told yet. I, I don't know. I've told some people there, uh, one short five-minute thing, pray for the people's surprise. But don't be surprised if God surprises you. <laughs> I'm serious. We're the only thing that hold him back from great and mighty things, as Daniel spoke about. We're, we're the holdback. We get in his way. We say no. 
We don't have faith. We block what he, he wants to do. And we don't get the best. I'm all about getting the best. The Bible says it's all ours. He's done it all for us. And he gave his only begotten son to die for us. So why would he want us to be second-class citizens here and not get the fullness that he has for the righteousness of Jesus? So the Lord is going to bless you. So now the family has three widows living in a foreign country, and the Jewish people weren't the friendliest with the Moabites. And um, we see something take place, interaction between new people in their lives. So the uh, Moabites said to Naomi, please, to get here. Naomi's husband was a relative to this man, Boaz. Notice it says he's a man of great wealth, not just wealth, but great wealth, and there is a difference. Of the family of Elimelech, his name is Boaz, mentioned almost 20 times in the remaining chapters. This could be the book of Boaz as opposed to Ruth. This man's very important. American men used to be like this guy. But our businesses and the, the pornography and the pornography statistics are the same if you're a Christian or non-Christian, which is a disaster. Divorce is the same now if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. Our country is imploding on the inside. So uh, it says here, she said to, to her, let me go and grain from him whose sight I might find favor. Now remember, she's described as a very pretty young woman. And she had men look at her before. She's looking for favor, but because she's been converted, she's looking for God's favor through man. She said to her, go, my daughter. And then she left. And she went. She gleaned in the field of the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the, of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz, Boaz came from Bethlehem, same place Jesus came from, and said to the reapers, he's, here's the start of the day, the Lord be with you. Now that's management. Imagine if management uh, started the day off, the Lord be with you. Well, he's very wise. He's encouraging his staff, but he's, business is about making a profit. And the happier his employees are, the more profit, Right? So, but he's not a hypocrite. He's, this is his character. We're just seeing three little short verses. And if somebody to write three little sentences about you or me, would we get the godliness that this guy is showing us? And he doesn't know he's being written about. So it's very important you realize that we all have responsibility in how we treat people, how we interact with people, and how the kingdom of God in our heart is reaching all of Surprise. Surprise is your Jerusalem. Judea is the state of Arizona. The uttermost parts, anything outside the territories of the U.S. and the U.S. And Samaria, Samaria is your whole country. And the Lord would like to take you like a salt shaker and shake you in all those places. And I've seen him do it. For many, many years. And I know how he works. He doesn't always work the same way. But I know it starts right here in the heart. And if that many people are praying for you, and sneakily enough, I ask them, would you pray for me too? You know, the, the drive is nothing. It's just nothing. I get to sing. I get to be the fifth beetle. I get to do pray. 
I get to think. I get to be alone. I, I take your faces before the throne. Things that I've heard in interviewing employees, people at the door, security guys, and give it to him. What does that all mean? God has something special for you and you and you and you and you and for this people that sit in this room. So you need to stand up and realize my daddy is the creator of everything. He's your heavenly father. Now, I didn't have a father, so it was difficult at the beginning as a Christian to understand the father part. And when Sandy and I uh, became Christians and we had been divorced for three years, we get remarried. And I remember sitting on the edge of the bed. I'd just done my morning devotion and had my Bible, and I started to cry. And I thought, you know, uh, Lord, I, I'm so excited to have Sandy back, but David and Mindy... I don't know how to be a dad. I don't know how to be a father. And I heard a little voice say, I will be your role model. And I tried, got a lot of kids, and they've multiplied. God wants to work with you. He wants to love you. So management comes in and said, the Lord be with you. Wonderful, that was nice to the boss. But look how they respond. And they answered him, the Lord bless you. Imagine if our Stores were like that, and the managers of the auto dealerships, and so on and so forth. Then Boaz said to his servant, and look how quickly he went from bringing his cup of coffee in and hanging up his coat on the side there, and he's getting a report. Everybody, hey, bless you, boss. Um, Boaz said to his servant, so that's probably his administrative guy standing there, um, who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? Whoa. He just walked out of Bethlehem where he lived into the fields and he saw her above everything else. What was the uh, financial report yesterday? How much did we deposit? How many people owed us money and gave it back? Uh, what is the amount of bushels and what is going on? He didn't say that. He said, whose young woman is that? It gives us the idea and we understand as it goes along, he's an older man and she's a younger woman. But... His term, whose young woman is that, speaks volumes. He's a businessman. He's talking ownership, an asset, making profit. Who owns her? Who is she? He's smitten from the beginning. I'm sure he's seen pretty girls, but God had this one set up for him. She had no idea. So he asked this first question. Um, the servant answered and said, it's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. Now, that's a matter-of-fact statement. You should know you've heard about her. Otherwise, the character, the character of this woman is impeccable. The whole town of Bethlehem heard about her, but they didn't hear when Jesus was born in the same place. There's no room for him. But this foreign woman, she comes in. This is the young, everybody's talking about at the pub. This, is, this woman is the one that came with Naomi. Now, Elimelech and Naomi must have been royalty in Bethlehem, as we saw last Sunday. All the women, all the men, they, the whole city came out to see her when she came back from Moab. And the women said, is this Naomi? Her bitterness had so changed her face. And bitterness will cause wrinkles. And 
they looked at that first, and she said, don't call me Naomi, pleasantness. Call me Mara. Mara is the Hebrew word for bitterness. She's become bitter. Because God has struck out against me in bitterness. And God never strikes out at anybody in bitterness. God strikes out in love. And even the most hardened criminal has the right to be loved. And if they'll listen, and I've been in I mean, many and many countries, death rows, sitting with prisoners, they're about ready to be hung or electrocuted or injected. I've seen some with hard hearts right up to the end. I've seen others that said, would God really forgive me? Yes, God will really forgive you. So your sins went upon Jesus. He paid the price. It's over with. Now, if somebody called me up and said, you've got $10 million in a bank account somebody just gave you. If I don't know about it and I don't go get it, I'm not going to have it. But if you don't know about salvation or you know about it and you haven't really ever gone and gotten your rewards, uh, it'll never happen. So you have a responsibility to respond. This man is going to show us this story is on into eternity. And where it's placed is important. It's a microcosm of the book of Judges and what it would have been to live in the times of the book of Judges. Economic problems, famine, they leave, people are leaving, and you stop and you look at this. The last verse, chapter 21, verse 25 says, in that day there was no king. And the judges did rule. And every man did what was right in their own eyes. That's where America is tonight, especially 10 years ago. Everybody doing what they want. Evil, wickedness progressing around the world because there was no king. So uh, if you read Judges, you say, oh, this is just one family of four. Your family is as important as this family or any family anywhere in the world. There is no respecter of persons with God. He could care less. If I didn't show up, he's got 7,000 others that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. God is no respecter of persons. There aren't celebrities and hotshots and specialists in the body of Christ. They're brothers and sisters. If you wanted me as a consultant, it'd be $5,000 a day plus expenses. But if you want me as a brother, I'll come out of love. Two different kingdoms. Two different mindsets. And unfortunately, some people have one foot into this kingdom and another foot in this kingdom, and they never find the full blessing of realizing they're the daughter, they're the son of the creator of heaven and earth. And he's not mad. Maybe you grew up. I grew up in a foster home for several years, and it was the spanking on the wrist for about everything with a ruler. There was other discipline and there's other bad things, but everything. You could not please these people. God's not like that. He wants you to develop to be the best, the ultimate you can ever be. And when he's finished with developing you, if you're out serving him or you're not, he wants to see you. And that's why the Bible says, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of the saints. It's sad 
when loved ones go, but in God's eyes is precious because he wants to hold you in his arms. He wants to look into your eyes. He wants to wipe the tears off your face. Think of that huge hand spans the universe. So powerful, put the stars out there by his fingertips, yet he is so gentle, he can wipe the tears off your face. And if you can get more people in your life than five fingers on your hand, I'll be surprised of how many people in your life you've ever let touch your face, let alone wipe the tear. Other than mom, grandma, 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 and grandma. <laughs> he loves you people. He loves you so very much. And he's not one ounce religious. He's not trying to make you religious. So this man says, who is this woman? You know the story. This is a godly woman. He, she said to me, the, the, the superintendent says, sir, please let me glean and gather after the reapers and among the sheaves. So um, she came and has uh, continued from morning until evening. And though she rested just a little while, I mean, she's a hard worker. She's there day and night. Boaz said to Ruth, uh-oh. That was a no-no. He went around everything and went directly to her. This guy's smitten. Remember Jesus at the well, the, the woman at the well? And he's talking to her. The disciples go into town, and they walked right past her. No record that they evangelized her or asked her about her soul or what she's... Their stomachs ruled. They wanted food. And when they came back, they saw Jesus sitting on Jacob's well talking to her. And a Jewish man wouldn't be talking even to a Jewish woman without a husband there, or it would be disrespectful, let alone to a Samaritan whom the Jews hated. What is he doing talking to that woman? Well, you know, in that little short period of time, he learned everything he, need, he already knew, but he learned everything that he needed to know from her. But he wanted to hear her version. He wanted to hear, I know all about you, but I want to hear how you present yourself. And I mentioned the last service. You know, after literally ten, counseling tens of thousands of people, um, you learn very quickly that whatever the person's telling you, you listen to the first 30 minutes. You wait, it's about 30 minutes, maybe 40. But when they come to this place and they say, after they've told you what they want you, and usually is how good they look compared to the people that are in the issue. It's always one-sided, I suppose. You know, it's a two-way thing. We both cause this problem. So uh, you listen, you listen. Yeah, oh, okay. Hmm. When they say the word, but, you erase everything you heard in the last 30 or 40 minutes. Now the stories really ain't come. Those of you that are police officers learn this very quickly on the street. They're going to tell you a story before you put the cuffs on them. And you know right from get-go, they deserve the cuffs. But you're going to give them an opportunity. And they get through this story, but uh -huh, that's the part I was looking at. Turn around and let me cuff you. So get it all out before the Lord. You don't have to play games with people. Just get it out. Lord, here I am, the situation. And he takes care of it for us. It's wonderful. So this man, 
he goes and talks to the woman, and she gets up, and Jesus said, you know, you've had five husbands, and this last man isn't really your husband either. She was promiscuous. Remember what she said? She went into town, and she said, hey, everybody, I just met a man out here at the well that told me everything I ever did, and the entire male population split town and went out there. Is my name on his list? Is she, what's going on here, you know? And uh, it was so easy, but she was forgiven. And so this is interesting that Boaz goes directly to Ruth, a Moabitess, a younger woman, and is now going to talk to her without a proper introduction and a chaperone there. So Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter. Otherwise, he's an older man. I can teach you some. Listen, will you not? And he's asking her, do you want to learn? Do not go to glean in another field nor go from here, but stay close by my young women, not the foreigners, because every corner of the acreage would be cut off one-tenth of the acreage for the foreigners and the poor people that could come and glean. And that was the Lord providing for the Jews. So don't go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Don't hop around. Just you've got a good reputation. Don't ruin your reputation. Let your eyes be on the field, which they reap. Follow them. Go after them. Now, this is not presumption, but look at it. You ladies, I think, would understand it first. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? Well, how does she know? He raises that in a hypothetical question. Have I not? You go from the previous verse. This guy's moving fast. Go out and talk to men. You see her? I find out one of you touch her, you're going to answer to me. So he's always out, he's already out doing the part of a, a fiancé, a boyfriend. He's Joseph to Mary. Uh, being a just man, not wanting to put her away privately, took her to her aunt's house. This, this guy's class. And you single women, this is the type of man you want. This thinking about you, not thinking about what they can get from you. They're ahead of you. They're, a leader is always ahead, and he's there. And he's ahead. Have I not? Well, of course, he's already done. She doesn't know. This is how God works with you and me. He's In the Bible, we start reading it. Have I not given you all things, all spiritual blessings, Ephesians says, in the heavenly places I've given unto you? All of them. I, how many do you count? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you've got more gifts than me, and, and you understand. I don't doubt that. But there's so much more that we're missing by playing Christianity. Jesus isn't an entity. He is not a religion. He's alive today. He is risen from the dead to show you that you're going to rise from the dead. So it's how we perceive him. Naomi did not perceive him correctly, but God changes that. And he changes it with his love. Because there's not enough love flowing around town. So his love is spectacular. And he wants to give you more at no cost. If it's free, it's for me. Take it. Take all he's got to give you. And don't say stop. Just let him bless you and bless you and bless you. Let all the heartache go away. I have a man that's in heaven right now. He was a very close friend of President Reagan's and helped open some doors that I could go help and some terrorist things and get some Christians freed in different places. 
He was shot down in World War II. He was a pilot, multi-millionaire. Uh, at one time, the president of the uh, California Trucking Association owned a huge fleet. And uh, every time I was with him, he'd tell me about being shot down. This is 1943 or 44. Uh, and this was taking place in the 90s. He was early 80s. And uh, he would always talk about that with me. Well, I understand PTSD, and I understand how to help people get through that. I'd always listen to him. And he'd tell me about the prison camp. That had been in his, in his life. He was, he, didn't, he, he was like this with people, but he knew how to make money. And sometimes we get stuck here. And yeah, we're moving along. We got the new style for this decade. We're listening to the new music for this decade. But our heart's still stuck and we're held back. And we feel like there's something not right. But we can't put our finger on it. It's that the Lord wants to release you from all the heaviness of the yoke of your memories. And from the burdens of childhood. And from the mistakes of our teen years. And blah, 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 blah. He wants it all to be free. Jesus died for all of it, not part of it. We don't want to hold on to any of our negative attributes. We're not perfect people, but there's more life in the spirit than there is in this flesh. And this flesh will feel sorry for itself. Oh, woe is me. Now, somebody, some kid in a youth group said, hey, I know the name of Isaiah's horse. And I said, what? There's nothing in the Bible says there's a horse that Isaiah had. No, his name was Ismi. Because he said, whoa, is me. Oh, get out of town. Give me a break, kid, okay? Right? So um, Boaz says, listen, I'm going to teach you. I've gone to the young men. There'd be partying, wine drinking, and prostitutes coming out in those fields. And when you're thirsty, just don't go to the old dirty water over here where the poor people are hanging out and the uh, people from other countries. You come and drink from where the young men get their fresh water from me. So she fell on her face, and as you know, this is in the Bible many times, and it must really have hurt to keep falling on your face. She falls on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, and this is us talking to Jesus, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? Boaz answered, and he said to her, it has been fully reported to me. Now, I had a couple of hundred employees. I've, I've owned a business and, and uh, learned business, and I set up Christian label and distribution and concerts, and I, I know how to do a national thing and make the right contacts. And um, I, I pastored several thousand people, and I wanted a full, full report. And uh, the bookkeeper came to the Lord at 15 when I was preaching, and grew up as a teenager, beautiful mother and a wife, and she was a bookkeeper, an accountant. At 4 o'clock, 5 at the latest, every day of the week, I would get a report, every day. And it was a full report. How much money's in the bank? How many outstanding bills do we have to pay this week? Uh, we basically did cash on everything, so it wasn't a lot of debt. Um, how about the payments? What's the balance every day on the building? Uh, what's this? This Everything I need to know is a full report. 
And I'd look at that and I'd say, good, okay. You go through it. So I look at this man, and you businessmen and women, you do the same thing. And if you're frugal, you have lots left over so you can do big things. And a church like you, you could be reaching around the world with the 500 of you at a time. I saw 1,500 people follow me one time into New York City. I was on the team for the towers, and we did five festivals uh, a day in five, all five boroughs. That was a lot of administrative work. It was 1,500 people that came from all over America to be there. And then we'd end up at past Times Square in a 2,000-seat auditorium, and I'd speak at 8 and uh, 10.30 or 11. And every night, hundreds of people came and accepted Jesus at night. But in all five boroughs, hundreds were coming to the Lord one year exactly to 9-11. Because I had been with the cops and with the firefighters and with the moms and the dads and the grief and with the chief and with the governor and with the mayor and helping people understand what's going on here. So for me to see that and walk away would have been great sin. Great sin. And so we went back. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds came to the Lord. It's a wonderful time. The fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. God is called surprise to get out in the harvest fields. He's got a lot of opportunities for you. And he's prepared you. So he says to her, I got the full report. Uh, here we are. I have some things. I'll answer you. Why you found favor? One, fully reported to me. Otherwise, he talked to almost everybody in the know in Bethlehem. That you have, what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, not hers, but yours, as a widow grieving, she's loving, she's leaving her family, she's coming to Israel. I've heard about this. And also how you have left your father and your mother to help her. And also you left the land of your birth, just like Abraham. And you've come to a people who you do not know. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given to you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. Let me find favor, she said, in your eyes, my Lord, and that's us seeking him. For you have comforted me. You've spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I'm not like one of your maidservants. He said, listen, come here, sit with me at my table and eat bread. Dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her and she ate and she was satisfied. Remember, she's come from famine and kept some back. She's not stingy. She's willing to go back and give her mother-in-law's. When she arose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men in front of her when she rose up. Imagine, you're a young man. You see this beautiful woman. You've been eyeballing her. And the boss is all man. And he knows how to handle himself. You can just tell by the confidence that he has. And as she's rising up, he tells, okay, all you men in this room, get this straight right now. I mean, obviously, he is smitten. He's probably thinking, I'm too old. And she's saying, why? Why is he caring? Because it's like God. He cares. 
And when you're rising up, he wants to warn the devil. You get near her, get near him, you get near their kids or their family, you answer to me. You know, this prophecy show that the Lord's so well using, it's only in, in the last uh, two years, if not three, I've been able to see him take Barry Stagner, the co-host, and all of a sudden we have maybe 100 news articles that we've researched out of 500 places and cross-searched and got the quotes right and got who wrote it and where it came from. And I'll see him all of a sudden go, huh? And he'll look around and he'll say, you know, Mike, and he just got inspired by the Holy Spirit. And we know, but we don't think about it, that there's tens of millions of people watching, so we have to be gentlemen. And, uh, and then that'll happen to me. I had something I wanted to talk about, and all of a sudden, boom, I get more knowledge and wisdom on it. Oh, how God loves to bless you. But if I have the Beatles up too loud by the time I get the Gatiless Ben, I'm missing a lot of his good blessings. So I have to balance my life. Um, I've told Brad, he's, he's pinpointed me several times. I can't tell you what, but I do know. God favors you. He favors this church for some reason. Not the building. Anybody can get a building. But if you were all together out in the field every Sunday, what he has in store, he would still accomplish without any building. It's your hearts. And so I just would like to challenge you with that. Why is God showing you favor? Because he loves you and he knows you've been hurt. He loves you and he knows you have sisters and brothers. I've heard so many family stories the last three weeks. Amazing stories. So sad to hear of the divorces and of the son that's now the homosexual and this over here and that over there and my business and and, and yet some of the kindest words have been spoken from all of you. I've always liked, I've always disliked bullies and I've always enjoyed before as a Christian man a good fight. May the best man lose. Whatever. You're not going to play by the rules when you get in a street fight. You're going to get it over with really quickly no matter how big your opponent is. And they aren't expecting that. They think you're going to play by the rules. But as a Christian man, I know who my enemy is. And sometimes we forget we have an enemy. And in Revelation, it says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. That's us. Last days. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth for Satan, that old dragon, that serpent of old, has been cast down. So he's here. And he is full of wrath. Why is he full of wrath? Because he knows his time is short. Now listen, you got some acceleration and problems and heartache and back pain. He's an eternal being that was created in eternity and God has cast him out and now he's in the time zone. Not daylight saving times or he's in the time zone. The clock, he has a clock ticking for the first time and he's so angry because us little dirt bags made out of dirt, us who know nothing made lower than the angels are going to where he's Started and will be in, t in eternity forever and no clock 
and the clock is ticking on him and he's feeling the pressures of time. So he's mad at you. He hates humans. He hates your kids. He hates this church. I saw it last night for the first time and all the prayers and everything. I just, the battle, I was praying about one in the morning before I fell asleep, 1.30, and I was praying for people's requests. I was praying for things I saw, praying for whatever. Lord, help. Help us all. Please, Lord, help. And then I realized warfare. He's out in the open now. He makes a mistake when you get him irritated enough that he gets out in the open and you know it's him. There is a fatwa on each of your heads by the devil. And he's going to increase the pressure. But you're not hirelings. You're not going to run. You're going to defend one another in prayer. You're going to stand arm in arm. And you're going to see strength come into your soul that you've never known before. And the Bible is going to be, I can't believe that. And everything you always sort of thought could happen is going to start happening if you let it. Just get your eyes off of self in this world and say, I'm yours. Here I am. Take me. And all of a sudden, I don't care if you're 98 or if you're 8 years old, the living God is going to end up as your best friend. And you'll talk to him as a friend. And you'll walk with him. And you'll be blessed. But it's not about us and the blessings. That's selfish. It's about us and our blessings helping other people. This man is phenomenal. We'll look at him next, next Sunday as we close it up. But you get his character. It's just one thing. And he respects what this woman has gone through and is character. And she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord. Remember, she told her mother-in-law, let me go out and see who I can find favor with. She's asking for favor. I don't think she'd ever ask a man for favor. And yet, let me find your favor, my Lord. For you have comforted me, just like Jesus and you, and you've spoken kindly to your maidservants, though I'm not like one of your maidservants. Like Dennis, I have traveled in very, uh, not tourist joints, but, but uh, war zones, lots of war zones. And I remember in Uganda when Idi Amin was still there, Tanzanian soldier with an AK-47 at the side of my head. And uh, I, I looked at that, and I was just standing there and being cautious, knowing that they were killing Christians. And we'd come with food and medicine. They were out of medicine. And we are at the crossroads. And the head of security for the nation, big, mean, six foot seven or eight, he gets out, and he had 20 bodyguards, and they come walking up, and they just start screaming. And then they start slugging the Tanzanian troops who are holding AK-47. These were evil, evil people. And they, the henchman, the number one guy, saw that I was with a photographer and a journalist from the London Times. Camera's not allowed. He grabbed that camera. Everybody got their guns. And he's standing there, he couldn't open it at all. He went, he's going to get that camera. He's going to probably shoot us. And little voice, the Bible verses, <laughs> in my heart I heard it. A soft answer. You know what? Turns away wrath. This man's overflowing with murderous wrath. Uh, excuse me, sir. <clears throat> if you push this button right there, that I heard. Push the button and open up. 
He didn't say thank you, of course. Uh, so we just stood there, and we were all nervous. And uh, then he's trying to rip the film out, and he can't get it. Soft answer, turns away wrath. Uh, sir, if you push that and pull this out, then the film, it's already exposed, but you'll know that it's taken care of. And he does it. And all of a sudden, his whole countenance changed. And at that same crossword, they murdered Christians the week before. And I saw the Lord take this animal and make him a nothing by a soft answer. It was a glorious thing to see. It was one of the most frightening things to see. But I want to encourage you, no matter how much, like a roaring lion, he comes to your house, don't let him in. He doesn't belong in there through the cable TV or through Netflix or whatever. Get all that out of there. He's bringing it to you to bring you down and hiding your Bible in a house somewhere that you forget where you put it. No, uh-uh-uh. He's like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. The Lord pulled all of his teeth out. The best he could do is gum you to death. <laughs> but don't believe him. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not your own understanding. So next week, um, I'll wrap this up together for you. But it's about this great love that this man ends up marrying Ruth. But it's how he goes around it to do it. And then what comes from the fruit of their love? has brought us into this room today. Is that not amazing? So I found, as I mentioned, a daughter I had in high school. And uh, as I was leaving after about dinner and four hours before and four hours after, about one, two in the morning, her husband said, Mike, do you think Joy is your daughter? Do you feel comfortable? I said, oh, wow. Um, I don't want to be hurt, and I don't want to hurt her. The best I can remember, my girlfriend was Portuguese, dark skin like her, and petite and beautiful. Uh, and he said, what about the dates? I said, the dates? What do you mean about the dates? Well, as we talked, she was born on August 19th. My oldest brother was killed on August 19th. OK, so what? Well, when I met her, she just had a stillbirth. And those of you who have had that, you know how painful that is. And the baby was Victoria Michelle. Michelle in French, Michael. She never knew who her birth father was. Uh, I thought, well, that's a coincidence. But she was still birthed and buried and pronounced dead on March 26th. My birthday is March 26th. OK, there's a couple things. Her oldest daughter was born on uh, August 12th, Tara. My mother's birthday is August 12th. Oh, OK. Her youngest daughter, Paige, was born on October 30th. Our youngest son was born on October 30th. And we went through these dates, and I didn't even pick up on them. And there was more. And I said, uh, I don't want DNA. I don't want anything. God, literally, literally, with that heartache, when I knew what had happened, and we were too young to marry, and that baby was adopted, I carried that. The first night I met Sandy, you would not really want to know a guy like me. I have an illegitimate child somewhere. And from that first night, she said, you need to find that child. In all the years we've been married, you need to find that child. You're going to be out somewhere, somewhere I won't even know where you are, and there's going to be a knock on the door, and it's going to be your child. And I said, OK, OK. So anyhow, we found one another. God had to have moved 
the universe for me to line all those dates up. One or two, okay, but a dozen. That all those years I carried the guilt. I felt so sorry for the mom. I felt so sorry for the child. And yet God immediately was working on my behalf from when I was 16 till I was 43 years old to find her. Crazy, huh? I wonder. Maybe you can tell me next week what he's moving the universe for you to see clearly of how much he loves you. Shall we stand and shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we're sorry that sometimes we doubt you. We're sorry that we get in your way. We're sorry that sometimes we think more about ourselves or things of this world than we do about you in heaven. But we want to be used by you. And we want to be close with you. We want to know you. We want to understand how you really think in this realm and how with the devil so angry, we can protect other people. And I beg you once again in front of these people, Lord, have mercy on the United States of America. We deserve judgment. But God, please, and I hope you'd start right here at Surprise, Bring a revival to the church. That's the only thing. And then bring an awakening to all the lost 333 million Americans. Please, God, hold back your wrath and your just judgment and let us get our acts together and our hearts in your hand and let us be used to win people to you in Jesus' name. Amen.